Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You gather thorns from thorn bushes, from fig trees you gather figs. Every man is known by their fruit. What kind of fruit do you have? What kind of fruit is cultivating in your life? Is it sweet? Is it pleasant? Or is it bitter and ugly? You know, I've met some Christians say, Yeah, I know Jesus. I'm, you know, I love the Lord and everything. And yet, you look at their life and they're just bitter and angry all the time. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob continues his explanation of God's love and how he abides in those believers that love one another. Some people think the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is power. Some people think that the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is popularity. Some people think the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is passionate feelings. But the greatest evidence of God's presence and work is love. Where God is present and working, there will be love. And now, let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. And let's just read First uh, John chapter 4. We're going to be get, picking up in verse 7. We've been spending some time in this chapter, and I don't make apologies to it. This is, to me, probably one of the most significant parts of, the, of the, uh, this epistle of John's. Uh, because it talks about love, and love is the central thing of our Christian walk, because God is love. Of course, we know that God is more than just love, but all that love is, is in Him. He is so much more greater than anything else that we can imagine. And He's not just love itself. Love is a part of Him, because He is the originator of it. But we know that there are so much more about God than just that. God is indescribable. There is no beginning and ending with him. There's no way of figuring him out. For the hundreds and thousands and the millions of years that we'll spend in his presence, do you understand that we'll never figure him out? We'll never grasp the the beauty of who he really is. Because he's God. I like that. Because a God that can be figured out, a God that can be contained within a nice little box that we can figure out and take it out whenever we need him, is no God at all. He's a God of our own making. He's a false Christ. But a God who is always elusive in the sense of mysterious and and yet loving and gracious and, and, and merciful and compassionate. All those wonderful attributes that will spend eternity with our mouth wide open going, I can't believe that really you are this good. And see, that's the being that we serve. That's the God that we serve. He's beyond understanding completely. And yet he's given us enough to know him. 
enough to know him that we could uh, love him in return and receive his love and to have this relationship with this unknowable God. He really is. To know him completely would, would defy who his character is. But he's given us sufficient to understand. And so we dive into that. We run into that hall where he is. Let's read John chapter 4. We're going to beginning in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Notice, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him, Because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Such wonderful passages, isn't it? It's kind of hard to escape this whole idea of love. And that's why we parked on this area, and we've spent a couple of weeks in this passage, because more than ever, we need to see this in our world today. The world is very much accustomed to and has been uh, has seen hate. You put two people on the earth, and before long, apart from God, they're going to hate each other, and they're going to seek to destroy each other. And such is the case in our world. But see, God has called us out of the world. That's what the church is. It's the ecclesia. It's the ones that are drawn forth. Come out from among them and be separate. So God chose each one of us, handpicked, cherry-picked each one of us out of the world to come to him that we might be the vessel in which he can use to love the world. See, God is love. He is love. He's agape. He is 
Almighty God, and there is no one like him. Let's go back to verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You see, the life of the child of God, one who is truly born again, and I hope you are this morning, that life is marked by love and not hate. You cannot say that you are a believer if you don't habitually love. And really that's what the, the tense is in, this, in the grammar of this area that we're looking at in the scripture. The idea is, let us love one another for lovers of God. Let us love. Let us continue to love. The idea is a continuous thing, not just a, a spotty here and there. No, we need to continue to love in a way that is very other-centered. It's very otherworldly. In fact, it's not even of this world because the origin of that love is who? It's God. And he alone is love in the purest and best sense. But you cannot say that you're a believer if you don't habitually love. If you habitually hate, you prove that the Spirit of God is not in you. And we've seen very good examples of that in our world. You know, at times you're going to to be frustrated. And at times, even in our weakness, we can hate. But, you know, the overwhelming tenor of our life should be love. And the things that we say, the things that we do, even our nonverbal communication, you know how important that is? I can say one thing, but my body, the way I'm standing and holding myself and the frown on my face can be something completely different. I could be telling you, I'm putting up with you, but I can't stand you. By my stance, you know what I'm talking about. Nonverbal communication is huge. Often we betray ourselves. And you know, I think as time goes on and as more of the Spirit of God has us, the more it's going to permeate. We're going to be pickled with love. We're going to be marinated with love. Like when you take that chicken from Wegmans and you marinate it in that lemon garlic marinade and you put it in a bag and you let it set in the fridge for a few hours. That just has a way of permeating inside and getting into it, right? So that that piece of chicken, I'm, I'm really not hungry and it's it's... <laughs> but that chicken is infused with love. See, that's the kind of thing that God wants to do so that everything, even our nonverbal communication, the way we hold ourselves before long, as time goes on, it ought to be a, a, a progression continually happening. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification, you're being set apart by God. And that's what he wants to do. That's, the, that's what we should be as believers. And as believers, we are growing in this love of God. It is a process. And in this chapter, in these first verse, we looked at this word love. And um, in this chapter, we're going to see two forms. Uh, it's going to be agape or agapeo. These are two Greek words that are very important. And you've heard me share this before. And don't be discouraged if you find yourself not consistently loving. Maybe you're, you're growing and, and praise God for that. And we're all growing and some are growing a little faster and some are kind of, they got like their, their shoelace untied and they keep tripping. And others are soaring ahead, but we're all going toward the same. We're all going toward Christ. And that's the thing we need to remember. And not to look back at the one who's got a shoelace untied, keeps tripping over it. Help them, grab them, lift them up, take them forward. Pick them up over your shoulder if you have to and run with them. See, that's what the church ought to do. Instead of shooting the wounded, we should be lifting up the wounded. But we are growing in this love. Turn with me to John chapter 21. There's this, and you've heard me say this before, but this is a very powerful, powerful thing. 
John chapter 21, beginning in verse 17 or verse 15, you remember that the disciples have already been born again at this point. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been resurrected. And now he tells them to go to Galilee and to wait for him. And so they do. And they're out fishing. And Peter, even though he's born again at this moment in time, and the other disciples as well, they get a little frustrated. They don't know what to do. Does it sound familiar? Have you felt that way? I'm born again, but I don't know what to do. Well, you're in good company because the disciples did too. But notice what happened when Jesus met the disciples on the shore of Galilee. They were fishing all night, didn't catch anything. Finally, the Lord from the shore, they didn't even recognize that it was him because of the distance. And he says, hey, throw the net on the other side of the, other side of the boat. So they do. And they have this huge catch and they bring it in, right? And it says in verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now I'm going to have you over, uh, circle a couple words, and I'm going to have you underline others. I want you to circle this word love, because this word is agapeo, or agapeo. Peter, do you agapeo me? This is one of the, 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 the highest form of love in the Greek language. And so he says, Peter, do you agapeo me in more than these, more than these fish? Do you, do you love your career more than you love me, Peter? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but I want you to underline this word love because it's, it's the word phileo. It's where we get brotherly love. Underline that word. And Jesus said to him, notice, feed my lambs. He didn't give up on him. He didn't say, Peter, because you don't have the love that I have for you, you're done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go find a new giant. I'm going to go find someone else. No, he says, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Circle this word because it's the same word that you circled earlier. It's agapeo. Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Underline that word because it's the same one as the one that Peter said before. So finally, the third time, Simon Uh, He said to Simon the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Underline that word because it's phileo. Jesus, instead of using this great form of love, he comes down to Peter's level and he says, Peter, do you you even love me as a friend? And Peter knew exactly what Jesus was doing because it says that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Underline that. That's phileo. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Underline that again. Do you see the difference? This is the kind of love that we're dealing with. And you notice that your love is growing, just like my love, the love that God has placed in us, is growing. We're growing. And don't be discouraged. Peter here, having been born again, having walked with the Lord, can you imagine? The one who Jesus would give the keys to the kingdom to... (laughs) And, and, and to have Peter say, Lord, I, I, I phileo you. I don't agape you. I don't have this great love for you. I, I love you as a friend, but that's all I can do right now. And notice what Jesus said, feed my sheep. He, he didn't cast Peter away. And he's not going to cast you away for those things about you that maybe you're not in that same place. But remember, you are growing And everyone's growing a little differently, but we're all hopefully going forward and not going backward. And a life that is dominated by Christ, by the Spirit of God within you, is going to continually be going forward. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're standing still, but you just keep going forward. You don't don't let yourself get discouraged. 
And he goes on in our text here this morning in verse 7. He says, Beloved, do let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You see, we are known by our actions. Everyone who loves is born of God. It's, it's demonstrable. demonstrable. It's demonstrated by the life, by, by the, the actions, by our fruit. Even Jesus said this. Remember in Matthew 7, he says, You will know them by their fruit. And even though he's speaking in context in that passage in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 15, he's speaking about false prophets. But still, it is true, the, the idea is still the same. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the, the obvious answer to the question is no. You gather thorns from thorn bushes. From fig trees, you gather figs. Every man is known by their fruit. What kind of fruit do you have? What kind of fruit is cultivating in your life? Is it sweet? Is it pleasant? Or is it bitter and ugly? You know, I've met some Christians say, Yeah, I know Jesus. I'm, you know, I love the Lord and everything. And yet, you look at their life and they're just bitter and angry all the time. And they're so caught up in politics, all they do is talk about that. And they just hate, hate, hate. And it's like, where is your heart? Where have you gone? What are you cultivating? Are you cultivating a heart of love or a, a, a something else? Where is your heart? You need to make your calling and election sure. Something, there's a disconnect somewhere. In verse 8, he says, He who does not love. And the idea again behind there is someone who does not continuously love. That's the tense here. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world. Notice that we might live through him. God was manifested toward us, that he sent his Son. What more could God have done for us? We looked at this last week, but what more could he have done? What more could God have done? He has done so much for us. He is willing, he was willing to leave heaven. And, and, and that, that time that he has had from eternity past, with his father, he was willing to come down in the form of man and to be humiliated. The great humiliation, the great condescension that Jesus came to the earth is something that we cannot completely understand. But not only that, but he identified with us in baptism. Even though he was perfect and without sin, he identified with us in baptism. That's what he did. Not only that, but he was willing to be accused. And like a lamb before her shears, he was silent, even in his accusations. He was willing to be abused and beaten, to be shamed and ridiculed. Jesus Christ was willing to be misunderstood. And he was publicly humiliated, hanging there naked on the cross. He was willing to be our propitiation. There's your 50-cent word for the day. It means an expiation. There's a dollar word for the day. To expiate means to to take away, to cleanse, to take it away. He was the atonement. He took our sin from us. He was willing to do that in the place that we deserved. What more could he have done? In this, the love of God was manifested to us, verse 9. Notice at the end that we might live through him. You see the offer of salvation? It is open and available to everyone, but you have to take that step and believe in Christ. You must believe in Jesus. That's a command. I don't know about you, but that's a command that I, before I came to the Lord, I I, I didn't know that that was a command. But now that I know that it's a command, I run forward to him, run to him. 
What is the song? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, they run into it and they are safe. They are saved. The righteous run into him. Run to him. Don't rest in your own ingenuity, your own skills and abilities. Don't rest in somebody else's. Run to Christ. He is the one with whom we have to do. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his heart. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but you have to make that decision. If you haven't made that decision today, today you must make that decision. Not, because, not so that you can just be part of our holy huddle. Not just so you can become part of this church, although you're more than welcome. We loved it if you are. But see, eternity awaits each one of us. And there's a time when the decision that we have made will be sealed and there's no going back. There's no second chance after that. Until we take that last breath, believe me, there are plenty of second chances that each of us have, have had and will get according to his grace and knowledge. But there is coming a day when you will take your last breath and you've made that decision. And God will allow you that decision that you've made because he is not, he is not a, a, a mean father. If you want something bad enough, he's going to give it to you. And when I take my last breath, if I know him, praise the Lord. But if I take my last breath and I've ignored him all my life and said, my way, I did it my way. Well, guess what? Your way is going to take you to a highway somewhere else. But God's way is full of love. And he demonstrated that love, didn't he? But the Bible is very clear that not everyone is going to heaven, and many would rather follow that broad path that leads to destruction. Didn't Jesus say that? In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. because, And, then, and here he, he juxtaposes it with, Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. It doesn't mean that you're not welcome. It's just that it's it's completely opposite the world. The world is wide open. All roads lead to God. Just as long as you, as long as it feels good, just do it. That's the mantra of the world. But Jesus says the narrow, the gate to life is narrow. You are more than welcome on that road, and He will even sustain you on that path. But you have to make the decision to follow Him to follow him. So what road are you on? What path have you been walking on? The path of righteousness and Christ or the path that leads to death and hell? You must make that choice. And don't say within yourselves, well, I'm saved and I no longer need to worry about this because of the truth of the matter is, is that even as believers, we need to walk soberly and we need to stay on that narrow path and continue to abide in Christ. We need to abide in him. That's, a, that's something that we have to do. He gives us everything we need to do that, but we have to make the decision to stay on the narrow path. We get off the narrow path when we make our own decisions in the flesh without consulting him at all. And then we're left to our own mess. And God is so willing to pick up the mess again and say, you know what, I know you've messed up, especially when you confess. Confess, and he wants to restore that relationship. And then as you're falling down off that narrow path, he scoops up with his hand, he picks you back up, and he sticks you right back on that narrow path. He says, no, continue walking. I've forgotten all about that. You've put it under the blood. I'll never see it again. You're going to remind yourself of it. And certainly others are going to remind you, boy, he failed. Remember when he fell off the path? 
And God says, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.